I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So since the Bruin decision and the ability for law-abiding honest citizens to no longer be victims, but actually can be defenders and get and carry the most effective means of self-defense, that being a firearm, in places where they never could before, mainly uh, New Jersey as a great example. Well, the uh, folks that are the elitists, the gun haters, the anti-Second Amendment folks, the system itself that just doesn't want to do anything pro-gun unless it's done kicking and screaming, has been, of course, trying to figure out ways to thwart our liberty and ways of various mechanisms of abuse. Now, as a gun attorney, so to speak, in New Jersey, as the practitioner of gun law in New Jersey, I get and see and speak to uh, client after client and the most pressing issues and shenanigans that are taking place. And because I'm in this special position helping individuals in real time that are facing the newest obstacles and challenges, uh, I'm able to tell you, my great listeners, about emerging and very current threats and traps and problems and things you need to be warned about. And one of those things, which has really come to light very strong lately, are individuals that are applying for carry permits in Bergen County. Now, I want to explain to you how this works, and I want to get more into the weeds than you would normally get, even have any chance of hearing about in the legacy lamestream media. They don't even touch this stuff, but I want to explain to you what's going on so you can be warned and prepared for the uh, ambush that is being set for you. Now, since Burden, it eliminated the requirement of justifiable need to get a carry license. Now, in New Jersey, there were three basic things you had to show prior to Burton, three basic things that would get you a carry permit. And the three things were, number one, that you were of good character and not subject to the disabilities of NGS 2C58-3. Now, those disabilities are the you know, the list of disqualifiers. You're not a felon. You're not a domestic violence abuser. You're not a restraining order. You don't have, have any mental health commitments, et cetera, et cetera. That's 2C58-3. So you have to show you're not subject. You know, the state investigation will do your background check and will then be evaluated by your chief of police or superintendent, depending on where you are applying. So that's the first requirement. Uh, 
Second requirement is that you show that you're safe and qualified for the handling of the firearm. And to meet that requirement, you need to pass uh, the uh, certify uh, course by trainers and have the correct uh, training and demonstration of your proficiency. And that's uh, more or less objectively accomplished as well. And the third thing was justifiable need. And that's what basically stopped everybody because justifiable need was so outrageous and so extreme a test where you had to show that you were personally subjected to threats of serious bodily harm or injury, you personally, and that carrying a handgun was necessary to avert those threats. And and it was such a high standard and so uh, virtually impossible to achieve. You basically had to show you needed to use deadly force before you needed to use deadly force. So if you've just been shot and killed, well, now you qualify for a carry license. Congratulations. Now, that was eliminated by Burton. So we're left with two criteria to get you a carry. Two, are you a person of good character, not subject to the disabilities, and do you have the adequate training? Now, you need to understand that the 58.3 disabilities that are required under the carry license law, the carry permit, are is the exact 58.3 disqualifiers for getting a New Jersey firearm purchaser ID card and a pistol purchase permit. So the disqualifiers under 58.3 are the disqualifiers. They're the same ones for firearms ID card, pistol purchase permit, and permit to carry a handgun. So you might rationally say, well, look, I've had my farm's ID card. That was granted. I've had pistol purchase permits. Obviously, I'm not pro prohibited under 58.3. And I did my approved certification qualification, met the standard, and I submit for my carry, which does have a few other bureaucratic hurdles, you know, like uh, three pages, double-sided, that have to each be individually filled out, each signed three times by you, your three witnesses, and notarized three times. And you need to submit a photo that's, you know, 1.5 by 1.5, not the normal 2 by 2. For some reason, New Jersey decided to adopt the Argentine uh, passport requirement for its carry license. I don't know why. So, you know, other than, but these are bureaucratic hurdles that we can all uh, deal with and at least uh, objectively overcome them. And you would think that if you meet all those hoops and loops and you haven't had any disqualifiers because you qualify for your possession permit, then when it comes to getting your carry, you should be in like Flynn. You should be totally good. And why would there be any problem? Well, this is where you need to understand the problem. The problem is that one of the criteria under 2C58.3 is this very vague, very general, what I call the all-inclusive weasel clause that says uh, any person where they're a threat to public health, safety, or welfare, you know, not being in the interest of public health, safety, welfare, like vague, what the hell, catch-all, 
standard is this? Now, for the most part, getting possession permits, your FIMID cards and your permits of purchase, chiefs more or less have been reasonable, and they look at the objective criteria more, and as long as you don't have a per se disqualifier, unless there's something they particularly know about you being problematic in a more severe way, you would get your possession permits approved. But what's going on now in Bergen, particularly before Judge Caslow in Bergen, is that this criteria, this vague part of one of the disqualifiers under 58.3 is frankly uh, being taken to extremes that I have never in 35 years of practicing gun law in Jersey ever seen before. And what happens is here you have a firearms ID card, you have pistols that you've gotten with purchase permits, everything's fine. You submit for your carry license and the chief approves your carry license. Now remember in New Jersey, the carry license is two step. First, your chief or superintendent, depending on where you live, the superintendent of state police or the chief of police, they have to approve or deny your application within 60 days. Now, once they approve it, or if they deny it, but if they approve it, they send it to the judge who actually is to issue it. Now, the judge, if they have any kind of concern or problem, if their intent is to possibly deny you, even though the chief approved you, they must give you a hearing. And it was my firm, Evan Knappen, attorney at law PC, by the good work of my brother, Lewis Knappen, uh, established through case law that you have a right to this hearing because prior to that, you could just get a rubber stamp of a denial by the Superior Court, but that can't happen anymore. So that was really a good thing. But now what's going on here in Bergen, and here's how it comes down. You filed your app, you've been approved by the chief, you've already had firearm ID card pistol, you know you're good on the disabilities, not a problem. And literally late Tuesday, you get a call or an email from the court saying, you need to come in for your permit on Thursday morning. You know, and that's giving you one full day, Wednesday, to make your preparations to come in Thursday to go before the judge. So he just can ask you a few questions. That's what is being told to the folks when they're told they need to come in. And the amount of time given is you know, you're lucky if it's 48 hours before. It normally is less than that, and you're told to come in, and it's downplayed. Oh, yeah, just come in. Judge just has a few questions. Uh, needs to talk to you. So with only a day like that, and you figure, well, I'm all good to go, and I've never had a problem, and this is, of course, going to be a reasonable expectation that justice will be there, and things will be reasonable, right? And I've never had a problem. So you just mosey on in on Thursday. And that's where, folks, if you have anything less than a stellar, 
I mean, you've never had any encounters with the police where a report was filed, even though there was no thing that ever came out of it. Or you've never had a traffic ticket. You've never had anything. You have an absolutely stellar background. If, if that isn't you, even though you have no disqualifiers per se, doesn't matter. You go in there, you're going to be aggressively questioned by the judge over however minor this thing might be. And lo and behold, you end up where a finding is made that it's not in the interest of public safety for you to have your gun permit. And I am talking about actual cases that we are fighting now where an individual was denied, oh, because he had a careless driving ticket six years ago. Or because he was married three times. Can you believe that? Married three times is part of a criteria for denying you as being not in the public interest? Now, look, if you've been married three times, maybe you don't learn your lesson real well, but I don't think that makes you a danger to have a firearm, okay? I mean, we're talking about matters that have been years old, that have been expunged, expunged, officially expunged, in which emotions get brought to reopen your expunged matters, and that these matters and whatever the allegations were from them, even if you were convicted of nothing and had expunged arrests, become basis to deny you under this vague standard in the law. And we're getting case after case after case. There is a pattern of case after case after case. So let me just tell you, folks, real simple. If you've applied for your carry license in Bergen County and you're called to come into that court, my advice is do not go there without an attorney who knows and understands gun law. Because this is ongoing. And then it doesn't stop there. Because after the judge finds you to be this problem under public health, safety, welfare, well, that is one of the criteria of the disqualifiers, however subjective and vague it is. And now your firearm purchaser ID card is invalid, arguably, because you're a disqualified person as found by the judge. And so the follow-up punch that we're seeing is motions to revoke your firearms ID card that you had for years and then move to forfeit and take your guns. So it escalates. From here you thought you could get your carry permit to not only are you not going to get your carry permit, but you're going to lose your gun rights and your guns. We are fighting on appeal. Many of these. This is not a one-off deal, folks. This is a pattern. And we have many appeals pending where, unfortunately, we weren't even able to be there in the court below where the person walked in without counsel and were completely taken by surprise had no idea. You're not warned about what you're going to be questioned about. No, it's downplayed. You're not given time to speak. You have one day 
If you're lucky, before you have to show up there, and you have no clue that this is going to happen. And yet it not only can deny you your carry, but take away your existing licenses and your guns. And so you need to beware and be warned about what is going on, particularly in Bergen County, on this, on this uh, carry license application process. Now, we've not seen this play out in any other counties yet. And I hope it doesn't metastasize to other counties, but it, it may. So the bottom line is, do you have anything in, in your background and you're going before a judge on your carry, you may be well advised to speak to an attorney, if not actually hire an attorney, and beware. Because on top of everything else, if something you said on that application and maybe, and you never meant to give the wrong answer, but somehow you gave the wrong answer because of a misunderstanding of the complexities of what the question is asked. It's easy to inadvertently make a mistake or not understand exactly how, let's say, a disorderly person offense translates to some misdemeanor in another jurisdiction, and you wrote no when you should have wrote yes. You just didn't understand it. You didn't mean to falsify. It doesn't matter. Now the findings will include falsification of the application as well as a basis to deny you. And now your reputation has been hammered for you being a, well, essentially a liar. And if you have a falsification on a license denial, well, that's also criminal, by the way. And you can face five years in state's prison for lying on the gun application. And it can escalate to that, too. This is what we're seeing going on. This is the problem that comes from uh, the judge exercising this interrogation. And keep in mind, this is with approvals from the chief of police or superintendent. You're going into the court approved by the, well, the person who should know best, the local chief in your town that knows you, that knows all about you, that knows the people that live in his or her town, has approved you. But does it matter? It doesn't matter that they've approved you. It's not given deference. Not given deference. Just the opposite. And I have a case where the judge is criticizing the issuing authority for issuing it. So this is what's going on. You need to be warned and you need to understand it. Don't walk into an ambush. Don't walk in unprepared. Don't go there and end up not only getting your carry permit denied, but even more rights taken and destroyed. When we come back, we have some other fascinating things to discuss. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights justice, and freedom. 
an unrelenting gun rights spokesman, tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Napping on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Hey, welcome back, folks. And thanks for listening to Gun Lawyer. I love being able to talk to you and just like we're doing now, giving you warnings so that you hopefully don't end up making mistakes and trapped and having problems that others are suffering, unfortunately, through. You can avoid these things. I want to keep you on top of it, on the cutting edge of it, as we practice gun law in New Jersey. So, you know, there's been some other interesting developments, and one of them that I find just fascinating in a way is that uh, President, our uh, current president, has uh, announced that he is pardoning all marijuana possessions. You may have heard this. Anyone convicted of marijuana possession under federal law, which essentially is those that have uh, District of Columbia and other places for the possession charges, and and he's going to pardon them. I mean, you know what? Look, even a blind squirrel finds a nut now and then, and I'm going to say, good, pardon them, good. And with the pardons comes a restoration of rights, and that means gun rights getting restored for folks that have these charges, and that's something I'm always glad to see, but. That aspect of the pardons, which the media has been uh, playing up, is, I'm sure, important to a number of folks, but it's not the real important thing that he actually announced. What's really important is that he actually has asked or requested that the Justice Department, Department of Justice there, review the scheduling of marijuana on the controlled dangerous substances on the prohibited drug list and hopefully get it removed from that schedule so that it is no longer uh, such a controlled substance. Because right now, any drug that's on that creates a gun disqualifier if you're a user of it. And with states having legalized it, that's why we've been saying, you know, bang or bong, you can't have both. Because federal law prohibits the marijuana user from firearms. But if this is successful, 
And if it is removed so it no longer is on that prohibited schedule that the gun law focuses on, then you can have both bangs and bongs. And that will be, as far as I'm concerned, a good thing because I want to see folks exercise and have their gun rights. And so maybe this will happen. And uh, then I'll have to say there was one thing that this guy did that was good. I'll give it that. That'll be the one thing, but it will be. But let's see if it comes to pass. And you can see why it will help tremendously those individuals that maybe have medical marijuana cards, right, needed for medicinal purposes. They get barred out of their gun rights. Well, not if they remove it from the schedule. Individuals that live in states where it's legal that don't even realize that by using it, they're jeopardizing their gun rights. All that can go away and end. That'd be great. Love to see it. Now, unfortunately, as nice as that might be for the feds to look into, one of the things the feds just recently did was they passed what's called that CR, the Continuing Resolution to Fund the Government. You know, we keep going through these uh, emergent government fundings, otherwise we're going to have a government shutdown, which I love. You know, great, shut it down. But no, you know, they got to keep it going, keep it going, so we got to fund it. And then they put this these bills in that are chock full of all kinds of pork and spendings and you name it, so they can continue the government, right? Great, okay. And uh, this has been ongoing for a long time, these continuing resolutions. Well, this last one that, again, that they passed, and I think in December they have to come up with another budget yet again to pass. But again, you know what this CR, you know what this thing did? It denied funding. It barred funding for the Federal Relief from Disabilities Program. And that is a sin. It is disgusting. And when you want to talk about institutionalized racism for real, this is one of the greatest examples that exist. And it has to do with guns. You see, under the federal law, we have a, literally have a law that says if you've been convicted, particularly of a federal crime, but it doesn't have to be federal, but if it is federal... If you've been convicted of that and you've lost your gun rights as a convicted felon, you could apply for a relief disabilities. And what that was was an application to the government, essentially to ATF, who would run your background and check and then decide whether you would should have your rights restored. And if so, the waiver was issued and you regained your Second Amendment rights, and that's how it was supposed to happen. But you see, way back in like 92 or so, Charles Schumer and company, they uh, stopped the funding of the relief from disabilities. The law is still on the books, but no application can be processed. None. And yet again, they put a provision in failing to uh, fund, prohibiting the funding of this. You may say, well, why is this racist? Well, I'll tell you why it's racist. It's racist based on the U.S. government's own litigation against BMW and Dollar General, where in those cases, individuals were applying for jobs, and they were all set to be hired, and then they would get denied because a background check was done, 
And lo and behold, they find they were a convicted felon. Now, why would that be racist? Well, the government argued and said, look, blacks were five to six times more likely to be felons than whites. And Hispanics were two to one. So by barring flat out felons, you're discriminating at that, you know, five or six to one ratio. And therefore, it's racist. That's what their government argued. Well, if that's racist, then it's racist to prohibit felons from having guns at the same ratio. Now, many of us can say, well, maybe felons should be prohibited from having guns and all that. Well, okay, let's just say we're going to accept that premise. What about people that are no longer a danger, a problem, that have proved themselves, that should be able to get their rights restored so that they too could participate in being law enforcement, military, security, and have their own rights to protect themselves and their family? Shouldn't there be a program that would allow the good people at least to get their rights restored? Well, yeah, that's in the law, except it isn't funded on purpose by the Democrats, for years, since 92, they're the ones that got rid of the funding, and it continues to not be funded to this very day in the latest CR, where again, the funds are prohibited. Again, it is, according to the government's own litigation, racist. And I say it's time for them to stop acting racist and prohibiting good people that deserve a second chance, that have proven themselves not to be a danger, that would absolutely qualify to get a waiver of the disability to be able to have that chance to make their case. But no, the Democrats have stopped it yet again. And folks, I would say this next time in December, there should be a push for them to finally open this up again so that good people that have proven themselves and may have made a mistake but are not a danger, that they can get their rights back, particularly a Second Amendment right that is the equivalent, as per Bruin, the equivalent of freedom of speech, the equivalent of freedom of religion, and you're denying, imagine denying these folks their right to worship as they please or denying these folks the right to free speech? Well, it's the same thing when you're denying them their right to keep and bear arms. And if you want to argue that, okay, felons, dangerous felons, etc., still should not have their rights, then allow the good people that are not dangerous, those that have paid the price, proven themselves, that have been completely rehabilitated, that are great and, and productive members of society to get their constitutional rights back. We need to do this. Enough already. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.